Spiky un Leipni Lutzam us vina causu, Paidzerusos Harija Potera podcastu, Esmu Hannah. An Esmu Charlie, on mes Esam divesmit Silveki cas sources Palassa Savu <laughs> Milako Benizbus Gramu are. Pi venti o alcoholu and sinismu. Sodinas, salija, mes absperizam, possassins. <laughs> possassins, like assassins, but possassins. Possassins, prinka, septinpadsmit, nudalu. Tapek, panimit, glazi, saba. What the fuck is this? Ain chin nitkataka Alo alcoholiska Desariana un Clausites so Dizumra ad Gadin so osu Selo Juma. And here's how that should sound if it's spoken by someone who can, you know, speak that language. Ciao un sweetenat vin vikiri. Harry Potter podcasta. Es esmu Čārlija un es Hanna. Mēs pārlasam mūsu mīļākās bērnības grāmatas ar pievienot alkoholu un cinesismu. Šodien lasām jautasiņu prinši 17. nodaļu. Paķir glāzi savu mīļākā alkoholu un klausies mūsu nostaļģiskajā stāstā. Can you guess what language it was? It was Latvian. Yay. Yay. Can you point to Latvia on a map? On that map without reading it? No. <laughs> Let me attempt to... It's hard because I'm going to try and point. I don't know... I okay, vaguely, let's both try to point. But it's hard because we can't read. Oh, I'm attached to my microphone. Okay, okay. I, I think, think Latvia is here. I'm on Lithuania. I'm one country oh, away. Oh, yeah. Away. See, I probably would have gone higher, but your finger was already there. <laughs> I'm sorry. You were Hang on, on, wait, wait. You were on better Point to where you did again. I, should I did have, there. I should have just... <laughs> like holding your hand. Yeah, we but... both pointed to Lithuania, so we're not bad. Not bad. Yeah. Ugh. Not awful. I knew vaguely the vicinity of yeah, where it was. Yeah, I knew it was close think, to Russia and quite far north. But I think mostly because I think Alex has had a go at me before. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, that was Latvian. I think Latvia is where people always think Albania should be. Yes, you're right. Yes, it's probably where I assumed Albania was. But yeah. Very much, no, very far <laughs> away from, very, very far away from each other. Whole continent apart. <laughs> that was Latvian because we've got Latvian alcohol, which we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah. First off, how are you? It's been approximately two hours since we last had this conversation. Yeah. Has anything changed? No. 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 How are you? Has anything changed? How's your anxiety levels? Oh, it got worse again because I checked my work emails again and there was... (laughs) You stupid cow. Stop it. Don't make me bonk you. So it's quite high right now, but it went right down when we were recording because that distracted me. So hopefully it will again. Love anxiety. Yeah. So now my anxiety is like really high. Do you like a back massage? A shoulder rub? No. Um... A punch in the tip. I'm feeling quite hungry. 
So now we've established we're both exactly the same as we were in the last episode. Woo! Woo! Should we do some shout outs? If we must. If we have to. <laughs> so, an evangelical size thank you to Eva, or Ava, one of the two. <laughs> A dragon size thank you to Dorka, who has upgraded her pledge. And also, we d- featured her alcohol last episode. Yeah. She's going to kind of have two choices. Yeah. Because if you go to the, all the effort of getting one to us, we uh, will yeah. drink it without you being a producer. <laughs> <laughs> Life hack. Yeah. Uh, we'll tell you the story of how this one got to us. An Errol the Owl size thank you to Ella. A banana size thank you to Borat, if that's the incorrect pronunciation. Please do let me know. Thank you all so much for joining. I feel a bit bad when some people get dragon size thank yous and some people get banana size thank yous. Like, that's different sizes. Yeah. That's just the way the chaotic thank yous go. Yep. (laughs) Do people enjoy it? We have no idea. No idea. I don't care. It's getting hot in here. So hot. So take off all your clothes. I, I am getting, getting so hot. hot. I'm going to take my clothes off. Just hear those sleigh bells ringling. Ding, ding, I found a good review. Oh, no. Is it the one star one? It's five star. Oh, lovely. If this podcast were a drug, my former president would have had me killed by now. I've basically been a pusher for Goblet of Wine, and our former president promised to kill pushers. <laughs> sweating emoji i run onboarding classes and all my getting to know you activities for every damn class always end with me talking about hogwarts houses and then straight to goblet of wine and today i just spent a good 20 minutes explaining the points about hermione's parents and umbridge's weaponized femininity to my friends who were sitting there wide-eyed and amazed i'm pretty sure they all went home and started listening oh my god you're doing a great job for us you're marketing us better than we're marketing us yeah we're doing no marketing come on board our marketing team <laughs> incredible i um, love that thank you it's weird that people discuss things we discuss like umbridge's weaponized femininity there yeah. are people off there talking about that i'm like what it makes you wonder like someone could be talking about us right now that would creepy. Know. right what are we drinking today charlie um good question we are drinking a latvian booze mm-hmm. called balsams so I'm pretty sure Alex sent me an actual paragraph about this. Alex brought the bottle from Latvia to Germany. He then gave it to Rachel in Germany. Rachel then travelled to England and gave it to Nikita in England. And Nikita then gave it to us. The sisterhood of the magic travelling balsams. (laughs) This bottle is luckily, you know, it was sealed. So we know we're not being poisoned this time. Okay, so the only information I can find from Alex about this is saying that it's a traditional Latvian liquor. It's super tasty. He then sent me a photo and said, this is how it looks. It comes in these super cool clay bottles. Uh, Bone to pick. Ours is plastic. I'm assuming that you got us a plastic one because it would be easier to transport across half of Europe. But how fucking Not half of Europe, Charlie. The entirety (laughs) of the continent. Look where Latvia is now. We've learned where it is. Yeah. If you cut out Russia, that's the edge of Europe. Yeah. So I understand, and you know, it was probably cheaper as well. However, fuck you. I wanted a cool clay bottle. Yeah. 
How you... dare you not give us the heavy bottle that might get stopped in different customs? Yeah, you dickhead. Anyway, he says there are multiple varieties, but by far everyone's favourite is this, the blackcurrant one. Okay. So, Great, let's pour it out. I've excited. done it with ice. I don't know if that's correct. Yeah. Even though the bottle is plastic, I do like it. It's like black, silver and purple. It's very, it's very funky. Aesthetic. Yeah, really um, cool. Yeah. I can see wizards drinking this. I'm worried about the blackcurrant flavour just because to me, anything like blackcurrant just makes me think of when you would drink Ribena in the car as a kid and then vomit. Yeah. I'm sure it's nice. Yeah, I don't drink blackcurrant squash anymore because I drunk it and I only drink squash rather than water because I drunk it so much when I had tonsillitis <laughs> as a child that I don't really it's drink like it anymore. Yeah. It worries me it's called balsam. Like balsam is medicine when you have a cold to help clear us like sinuses. It looks like blood. Really looks like blood. Really terrifyingly has the appearance of blood. It's giving I'm on my period. I am on my period. Are you? I am. I can tell when I am. I thought you were gonna say I can tell, hun. Priyaka. Priyaka. That is alcoholic Ribena. It's like someone mixed night nurse with Ribena, which I'm pretty sure my mum used to do to me as a child to knock me out. So this is tastes like my childhood. Should we get Neil to come try it? Yeah. Neil, do you want to try it? You want to try it? Whoa. Yeah. That's like undiluted Ribena. That is ridiculous. I said yeah. it's alcoholic Ribena. Yeah, but like undiluted. It's yeah. so brutally strong. Quite like it though. I like it. The thing is, I just made a joke about my mum putting like night nurse in my Ribena as a kid. As I mentioned earlier, I did use. Is to this drink... a Madeline McCann situation? <laughs> no. As I mentioned earlier, I used to have tonsillitis all the time, like at its peak, once every three weeks. Hmm. I was really ill with it until I had my tonsils out when I was eight. And my mum did used to, when I was really ill, make me hot Ribena with honey and then like some medicines in, like balsam medicines and things to make me better. So this is really reminding mm. me of what I was given when I had tonsillitis. Ribena blackcurrant flavour only ever just makes me think of like literally, I don't know why this was such a reoccurring thing and they kept doing it like parents giving me Ribena on a long car journey and me vomiting. vomiting it up. I, it just tastes like that to me, honestly. But like I actually, I, quite, I do really like it. I quite like this. It is very strong. I could not drink a lot of this no at least like i actually feel like this would co go quite well mixed with coke i was gonna say either soda or tonic i think mm. quite nice. we could try a mixed one after this Maybe one we could do. We but um <laughs> but no i think i mean the thing is comparing this to everything we've drunk on the podcast lately it's lovely which is for the mm. most part be fucking rancid i so, like it you know, a lot actually the bar is on the floor that i'm like this is okay but i do genuinely this is actually okay it's yeah rich though that really mm. sticks with you very rich very thick yeah, that's why I, I I like it, but I couldn't I couldn't be like, oh, what what are you drinking this evening? Oh, I'm on the balsams. Yeah, I'm on the, I'm on the balsams. <laughs> well, I do really like one day. I mean, I have an awful habit just telling everyone about the podcast really insufferably. They're like, oh, hi, I'm Pete. And I'm like, hi, I run a podcast. Because, you know, that's what you do when you run a podcast. But I really hope that one day I just get in a conversation with someone that like doesn't know anything about the podcast. Like, you know, when you just meet random people at like work drinks and stuff or like, at a house party and just kind of get onto the topic of like weird alcohols and me be able to drink. Oh yeah, you know, I've drunk Balsam. Chartreuse. And Chartreuse. And what was the one? Unicum. <laughs> what was the other one? Palinka. Palinka. And, you know, just, and them just think that I'm ridiculously cultured. Yeah. Like ridiculously. And like, because I've talked before about how starting drinking late for ages, I was really insecure that I hadn't drunk anything. And people mm. would be like, oh, do you like cider? And I'd be like, 
Uh, I don't know. And now you're like, do you like palinka or Latvian balsam? <laughs> yeah. But it's quite funny because I feel, I still feel like there's some like, I can't actually think right now, but I do still feel like there's some really common alcohols that I just haven't really drunk. <laughs> okay. So chapter 17, a sluggish memory. Great chapter. Such a good name. I love it. Oh, we're immediately faced with a plot hole. The kids are flowing back to school for safety, which raises a lot more questions than it answers. However, before that, how is it before that? That's the first sentence. I think you'll find that one of the first sentences is the fact that they uh, had thrown parsley at parsley. <laughs> parsley? Fine. <laughs> parsley at parsley. A, it's parsnip. Not oh parsley. my God. How did I... I listened to the audiobook, so I heard parsley. Parsnip. <laughs> but... Love that. Yeah, just essentially egg him on his way out. Throw stuff out Go of you. And I love, love that it. Fred, George and Ginny all claimed responsibility <laughs> for it. No, it was, it was me, me, it was me, it was me. And me. I do think that they all did it independently. Like maybe there was three different bowls of parsnips. <laughs> yeah, and it was just all of and them. And all of them, like it wasn't that one of them did it and then the rest joined in. They all at the same time specifically went for the parsnips. And then when told off about it, they full on went, I'm Spartacus. No, I'm Spartacus. <laughs> it's a good shout though. If you're going to ruin a Christmas Day vegetable, let it be the parsnips. I love a parsnip. You're wrong. Ruin the Brussels sprouts. No one wants them. I don't like Brussels sprouts, but either, yeah, but like... But mashed parsnip is wild. I have roast parsnips. Like, who has mashed parsnips? I'm sorry. Hannah, you don't eat or like any vegetables. How do you like parsnips? Parsnips are delicious. That's such a random one to like. Okay. I don't not like them. I never really have them, but like, that's just... You won't eat like peppers or anything green yep but you will eat parsnips not green anyway the kids are flowing back to school and this just i hate that this is in here because it doesn't add anything it just raises questions yeah those questions are are all the kids flowing back to school or just the special kids like harry and the weasleys (laughs) the special kids what about the muggleborns whose houses are not attached to the flu network Mm -hmm. what about the people who live in flats who don't own fireplaces is the train still running? And also, if all of the children are flowing back, we can assume that most of the children went home because it's the middle of a war. Very few children stayed in school. So that's a thousand children needing to coordinate times to flew to their head of house's fireplace. You would lose children. Just put them on the train. Yeah. Why is the train suddenly unsafe? Or like the more logical thing of like side-along apparition. In a few chapters time, it's established that no one has done side-along apparition because everyone's like, oh my God, Harry, you're so special. What's it like? Which just feels weird to me that parents wouldn't do side-along apparition. But surely that's the clear solution here. This adds nothing. Just say they got on the train. It's weird. It's really weird that this is in here. Yeah. The organisation of this must have been a nightmare. How did Hermione get back? Her parents' house isn't attached to the flu network. And she doesn't say. Harry's saying goodbye to Mrs Weasley and she's like, please don't get into trouble. And he's like, I won't. I like the quiet life, which makes her laugh. And that's sweet. Yeah. They arrive back at Hogwarts, which once you've flown into Hogwarts, you'd never want to get the train again because they literally go from the borough and immediately in Professor McGonagall's study. Imagine if they're next time you're like, oh, now I've got to get a six hour train. No. The thing is, I think the train is like a wonderful, like exciting thing. Sorry, of course, I'm defending trains. But like, 
once a year or like well twice a year you know way there way back but yeah I think if you did it every Christmas and Easter it makes it less special and yeah. it would become tedious yeah. I think that is this really exciting start of term end of term thing so I don't like the idea of it being used for other holidays because I'm just like well one takes ages but yeah it makes it less like less special yeah like the Hogwarts Express always makes me think of sorry into uh, middle class mode when did you ever have like school trips where you'd like go abroad but on like literally on a coach yes and you'd have like 24 hours in a coach 27 hours to go to spain yes yeah we did germany so it wasn't that bad but it was many many hours i can't remember how many it was both like rancid and fantastic vibes yeah yeah <laughs> um, awful but good yeah i just i will always remember about that coach trip is we pulled over in some service station and i had like a hot chocolate literally out of like a vending machine and it was the best hot chocolate i have ever had i still think about it on a regular basis i'm like how was that good probably because you were exhausted and had eaten and drunk like shit for the last like yeah. 20 hours i honestly i would love to do that again like could you imagine if just like us and loads of people that we knew just got rented a coach no, just... because I have travel sickness and I can't imagine anything <laughs> worse. Right. We'd drug you the fuck up. You'd just be unconscious. Great. Um, I mean, I get everyone... that it might be fun, but no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, God, how did you survive the 27 hour? Up the mountains as well. It was to a skiing yeah. thing. So it was up windy mountains. I'm sorry, mine might have been middle class because we went to Germany to do the fucking Christmas market. But the fact that you went skiing is... That's not middle class. That is Tory as fuck. It obviously wasn't a mandatory trip. It was an optional trip. Well, yeah, obviously. But yes, we did. That's appalling. I, 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 I remember them. They they sent through how much it was, and I was like, no way. My parents are paying for that. Absolutely not. And then I went to my dad, and I was like, so, how much uh, do you think a ski trip for a school should cost? And he was like, I think it should cost. A- 150 and i was like great so will you pay 150 and i'll work for the rest of it and then worked for the rest of it how much did it cost 400 and something i'm so proud to say i've never been skiing (laughs) and i mean on dating apps in london about 50 percent of the people you come across have have. some mention of skiing or some photo of them skiing and i'm like that to me red flag yeah the photos of it is a red flag yeah i haven't been since i went in school when i was 15 had you been before then? Yeah, twice. Tory. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's undeniable Tory territory. Anyway, yes, I have been skiing and I am very bad at it. Thank Awful. you for asking. I did not know this about you. I'm rethinking our entire friendship. I haven't been since I was 15. You've still been. <laughs> I've never been. My parents, I think, would rather be shot in the face than go skiing. My mum would. That's half of the problem. <laughs> no, she's right and she should say it. <laughs> she does regularly. She's like, those holidays were a disaster. <laughs> yeah, especially because you probably drove. <laughs> we did drive, yes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so Hermione appears to greet Harry and Ginny as normal, acting as if Ron is not there, which is such a good tactic. Ron thinks he's she's talking to all of them, so replies, so clearly wants the friendship. He immediately is like, oh yeah, our Christmas was good. And yeah. Hermione acts like he's a bit of the wall. I hate Ron. Um, I hate that what makes him see the fucking light is the fact that she gets him a bad Christmas present. This spoiled little boy is all over it. Then she gets him a bad present and he's like, you know what? 
I suddenly have gone off her. I think Fuck it's also you, that happens at the same time as Hermione goes out with McLaggen and he realises if no, she I think goes... It's a <laughs> I don't know. I think it's both because I think he realises like other people do, as horrible as it is, other people do want to date her and oh, I don't know. I think it's the present. Mm. But also, the present thing annoys me because I'm like, in my experience, it's teenage boys that buy the girls hideous drawing. We don't know what Ron gave her. I want to know that. Honestly, I bet nothing. Oh my God. I would bet my fucking money on it that it was nothing. But yeah, I I definitely had like teenage boyfriends give me jewelry that I was like, Thanks. The fat lady is on a five-day hangover because she drank 500-year-old wine. Love it. What an icon! Also, just another whimsical detail that I love. The fact that she is able to drink the wine in another portrait is just... What the fuck is that all about? Like, love it. It can't be real wine. Also, do we think it might be because she's so bored because she's trapped for eternal hell as a portrait? Yeah, yeah. Really, I would say it's good on her that she hasn't drunk it previously. Yeah. Or does it refill? Who knows? Lavender is taken to calling Ron one one. one. It's bad. (laughs) (laughs) It's bad. It would annoy the shit out of me. Yep. But Ron is not mature enough to go, could you not call me that? Yep. He's just Um, embarrassed by her. Hermione is there and... Harry's like, great, let's have a conversation. Ginny, come along. And Ginny's like, no, I've got to, I've got to go meet Dean. But she seems a little bit disappointed about mm-hmm. that. The password to get into the common room is abstinence, abstinence, which is the joke about abstinence from alcohol. But obviously, abstinence has a bigger connotation than that, especially in like this kind of, I don't know. It's Harry Potter and the oh, I have an erection, like you know, and yeah. then it's abstinence. Ah, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> Harry tries to get Hermione to forgive Ron, but she says it was the fat lady that got smashed on 500-year-old wine, not her. What I find interesting is Hermione does seem very different this side of Christmas. Before she was getting upset, she was refusing to be around him. If he was in the common room, she would leave. Now she's actually putting herself in situations where he is and full on ignoring him. And what I like to think inside my own head, and this is fully just like... Something that I have assumed now we've done this, something that I theorise now we've done this close reading based on very little evidence, and I realise it's very little evidence. Mm-hmm. Is as we've talked about, Hermione has barely gone home. Like, so irregularly has gone home. And I think it's very clear she's lying to her parents about a lot of things, or at least not telling them the full truth. Yeah. In, in many ways, probably to protect them. And also because she doesn't know how, because the Wizarding World isn't set up in that way and it's a bit of a tragic situation and she's pulled away from them more and more and more. I can imagine very clearly a situation where she tried to go home in fifth book, was with them for an hour and then pulled out. That would have hurt their feelings so much. She then went home for one week in summer. There is no way her parents aren't pissed off at her. Now she comes home for Christmas, post a party where she's had a heartbroken, she's gone with a boy who she didn't like. I th- And then she comes back to school quite different. I think she's opened up to her parents a bit. I like to think what's happened is she's actually sat her parents down, told them more about what's going on, but also had a hopefully like adult, mature female conversation with her mum about what's going on with Ron and actually asked for advice. Yeah. Because there's just such a difference in her and... I also like to think that for my own peace of mind for the fact that in half a year she's going to wipe her parents' memories and I cannot stand that if she's done that without 
making up with them a bit with how bad we know it was at the end of book five like we know it's bad that we don't need extra context for that she walked out on their skiing holiday we know they're going to be angry about that Mm -hmm. i just hope that over this christmas stuff was worked on because if it got even worse and then she had to wipe their memories that would break my heart even more than it already does yeah i have a very different theory Ooh. I think that she secretly kept the time turner and over Christmas used it to go um, forward many, many years into the future where she then listened to Red Taylor's version and it really helped her work through those emotions. I like that theory. I thought you would. I didn't think the time turners could go forwards. Hers can. Right. Because loving him was red. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that is entirely my theory based on evidence yeah none i've just gone off on a tangent yeah hopefully she's also just getting over him like, i mean she doesn't she still loves him no but i think you can like you can like temporarily get over someone you can get over them and then fall for them again yeah i think also she's realized that by constantly running out the room she's risking her friendship with harry and Ginny, and she's like risking her sense of self like she's letting him win, win. yeah and this is her going no, I am not going to talk to you, but you will not take my friends away from me and you will not beat me. You will not let me not be in my own common room. Like, mm. good for her. Even though he clearly wants to be friends because he's like, la la la. Hermione fully believes that Snape was lying to trick Malfoy and even says that Draco might not actually be working for Voldemort. He might be working for his dad from prison. Doesn't really make sense, but uh, sure. Sure you say so Hermione yeah. whatever you're normally really smart but whatever yeah I had the note just a quote written down I'm a wizard not a baboon and I now can't remember the context of that I think that's further on where they're in charms I have it written here okay but I'm pretty sure that's when Flitwick sets Seamus line saying I am a wizard oh, not yes, a baboon yes, brandishing a stick yeah yeah funny but yeah that was just my next note and i just read that and i was like what i can't i didn't i have an awful habit of just writing like quotes with no context i'm like i'll remember even though you literally remember. read it this morning no i read this last night oh well then yeah Still your not memory's much completely better, gone you know what i'm like yeah <laughs> next morning there's a notice about apparition. I, I liked someone asked us on we did like an instagram story thing someone asked us our favorite thing about each other and hannah said that i really listen I don't remember. <laughs> I was literally had to clarify with like she remembers nothing, but no, she no, does no. listen. She does listen. She just then forgets. Yeah. <laughs> you just have to tell her like four times, but she is listening really I am. well. Yeah, I just you know in one ear, out the other. You've got a lot going on. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> beep boop 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 beep boop. Oh no no no! Me and my ex had a joke that inside my head, like it's you know that like monkey. It's that, yeah, with the with the symbols. With the symbols, yeah. yeah. It is that in my head at any one time. The next morning, there's a notice about apparition lessons starting. They cost twelve galleons for twelve sessions, which means they're a galleon each. Mm-hmm. Which I'm not, I'm not even going to dive into because I don't want to. <laughs> I don't know if that makes monetary sense because a textbook cost about twenty-seven galleons. I have no idea. And to be fair, like this is, I guess, our equivalent of driving lessons, and those are obscenely expensive. These seem obscenely cheap to me. Mm. One galleon a lesson—that's a fiver. Driving lessons are so much more than that. 
I think it's hard to compare. Like, I'd, I'd be interested to hear from Americans that I think have driving ed in through school. their schools. That's the thing. This makes it seem like it's subsidised by the school, which yeah. would make sense. So, yeah, I'd be interested to hear because I guess it is cheaper to teach a group yeah. as opposed to, like, you know? Yeah, 100%. But what I do love is the parallels between apparition and driving. I really like that these books work quite hard to put in these life markers that you have in the muggle world that the readers can relate to and make like wizarding equivalents yeah. and I love that they're turning 17 and they're learning to apparate and then this leads to a big discussion of who do you know that can apparate oh this person oh how many tries did it take to pass their tests and it's yeah. such a big part of being 17 like the people learning to drive and because it takes a year for the whole school year to turn 17 not everyone's learning but it becomes such a big part of the yeah. the whole system that I just I don't know it just made me I love the parallels to the yeah. world basically I did say though it was this chapter where you, everyone's you were right. like yeah. yeah everyone's really impressed with Harry for having done side along apparition and it just doesn't really make a lot of sense to me that no, no one, one ever has. would I suppose it's like very uncomfortable so you wouldn't want to subject a child to it yeah but like I there must be times when you kind of just have to. Yeah, you would think. Like, you can't always flew somewhere or porky somewhere, so... No, I know. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, if you're popping around your mate's house, are you always fluing when you've got the children with you? Yeah, or, like, take your child to work day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Rod is clearly getting very annoyed with Lavender because she's doing things like running up behind him and going, guess who? Which is insufferable, but she's only doing that because Ron is giving her nothing. So she's yeah. pushing harder. She's trying to be more affectionate because she's getting nothing from him. We then go to Dumbledore's office. It's the evening. Harry's having another lesson with him. We find... Do you want to talk to my mum? Hi. Hello. You're, you're on the podcast right now. Oh, lovely. Okay. Say hi to our listeners. Hello, listeners. Anna's mummy here. Hi. <laughs> hi. <laughs> I hope you en all enjoyed Catherine. <laughs> I enjoyed Catherine. I like how I was like, no, we're not Tory. And then my mum goes, hello, it's Hannah's mummy. We find out that the propaganda was Fudge's idea, not Scrimgeour's. I have no idea if we're saying Scrimgeour right, by the way. I think so. And... Scrimger has been trying to get Harry to talk to him all year and Dumbledore's been blocking him this whole time. Yeah. I, I love it because Harry's like, oh, um, I don't think the minister's very happy with me. And Dumbledore's like, I don't think he's very happy with me either. And then he says, we must try not to sink beneath our anguish, but battle on. <laughs> so sassy. Beautiful. So pretty. Savage. I uh, love it's it. It's like poetry for something so savage. Like, Dumbledore is really good at these little, like, sarcastic quips. Yeah, that sound like you're being polite because you're talking so well, because you're speaking so well. I love yep. it. It's the kind of actually... It's actually kind of the Jane Austen effect of writing where loads of her characters like speak so well that you don't realise they're making incredibly sassy, savage remarks at each other until later. And I love that kind of thing. Yeah, I know. I, I also then love it because Dumbledore goes on to... Harry's basically like, oh, so that's why you argued with Fudge or Scrimger. I can't remember which. And then Dumbledore's like, yes, the prophet is bound to report the truth occasionally, if only accidentally. <laughs> He's full of the sass. And I also love it because it's like that thing when like teachers become more informal with you suddenly when you're older. And this feels like that. Yeah, it does. He's like being a lot more like candid with him. Yeah. And it's always weird for the first few weeks when they start doing that and then mm. you get into it. And then yeah. suddenly they have to tell you off again and you're like, <laughs> 
you hurt me. But Harry says, I told him. He says, he accused me of being Dumbledore's man through and through. And Dumbledore says something like, did he? How terrible. And Harry says, I was. And Dumbledore tears up. And Harry's like, shit, shit, shit. Oh no, an emotion. I can't, I'm going to look at my knees. Yeah. <laughs> but also I think like Dumbledore crying isn't just because he's touched at Harry's loyalty, even though that's what he says. I think it's because he knows what he's about to put Harry yeah. through. Like they're on the precipice of, he knows he's going to die at the end of the year. He knows he's about to put Harry through such mental torment and he knows he's putting Harry in a situation where he will have to make the decision to die. Mm -hmm. And yet he's standing here saying, I'm your man through and through. And I think those tears come from the fact that it is hurting Dumbledore to do this, but he thinks it's necessary. Yeah. Harry then tells Dumbledore about Snape and Malfoy because he's telling everyone at this point. Harry's gone from like, I'm not going to tell anyone to like, I'm going to tell fucking everyone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Dumbledore tells him to put it from his mind. It doesn't matter. And Harry gets a little bit angry and then Dumbledore gets quite angry and then they're like, okay, Yeah, he stop. gets quite stern with him. Yeah. Um, which, like, is only going to fuel Harry's, like, curiosity more about the whole thing. But Dumbledore has got to kind of protect Draco. Like, Dumbledore fully knows what Draco is doing, mm. but can't let Harry know because then Harry would be like, lol, why are you letting him in the school? He's hurting other pupils. Yeah. Harry... <laughs> So Harry is angry that Dumbledore shut him down and is thinking Mm. like, oh, what if I've got to say is more important? And then Dumbledore says, ah, it happens even between great friends. One thinks something they've got to say is more important. And Harry's like, oh, it's as though he read my mind. Harry, you know that Dumbledore can do legitimacy and you know what occlumency is. Mm Mm-hmm. It isn't like he could read your mind. He is reading your mind and you need to at least put some mental barriers up. Like, you are just walking around with your emotions at the forefront and you know Dumbledore is an incredible... You're talking to a man who has pulled memories from people that you're about to sit in the office and watch and then go, it's like he could read my mind. Yeah. I am Now I can reference it and you can get it. I, I like the interpretation of mind reading in Akatar. I like it too. I like um, it a lot. I think it's quite similar in many ways to what occlumency is meant to be like in Harry yes, Potter. Yes, it's just that Feyre is actually like competent. Yeah, and actually like, how to do it. Yeah, she actually like puts up walls and stuff and like kind of just consistently has them there and it's like, Harry, hun. Harry, just put some walls up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I was going to say that actually because I've been reading that part of book two in the last few days of her learning how to put those like mental yeah. walls up and it very much reminded me of occlumency and legilimency. Mm-hmm. Harry's a fucking idiot. So Dumbledore's then like, right, I've got to catch you up. I've got no memories to show you from 11 to 16. So Voldemort starts the school. A lot of people liked him because he's, and I directly quote, a very good looking orphan. <laughs> As opposed to all those ugly orphans that naturally people despise. You can be ugly. You can be an orphan. You cannot <laughs> you be both. Have you not read Lemony Snicket? They're very good looking orphans. Yeah. Everyone loves a sexy orphan. <laughs> I just literally put like, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think we have our episode title. <laughs> Everyone loves a very sexy orphan. You know I'm... that guy on TikTok that whenever anyone does something dangerous, he's like, you haven't thought about the orphans. Have you seen him? No. Oh my God. I don't know how. It will literally be like, you know, when you get those videos of someone like, dropping something down a really deep well 
he will then like stitch it like they'll drop it down a well or something that's just like one excuse or someone will like i don't know like fire like an air rifle across the city or something and then he'll like just stitch it and jump in and be like it isn't funny is it because there could be an orphan down there and like he just all the time you will just see these like videos and you'll be like why is this on my for you page because it will just be someone doing something reckless and then all of a sudden it really like suddenly cuts him be like it's not funny is it anyway oh my god i just don't know why we have to quantify the fact that it's a very good i mean i guess what he's saying is people are more likely to fall for voldemort's like glamour and tricks because he happens to be a good looking and i and i kind of get it like you have it's children. pretty privileged. Yeah, you have children that are not better looking. The problem is when we say good looking <laughs> or handsome, it <laughs> makes them sound sexy. <laughs> and it's like, you know, you have some children that are really sexy that really do it for me. <laughs> no! <laughs> do I have to start a separate ch- tally for Hannah being a nonce? <laughs> no! <laughs> I'm not even going to make my point. <laughs> no, you have to now. It's going to sound so much worse. There are children that are better looking than other children. <laughs> no, okay. I don't know what you could have said that was worse than that. <laughs> so you dislike the ugly children? I didn't say that. that. I dislike all children. <laughs> I'm not bigoted to, you know, measure it by appearance. You know, sometimes someone introduces your baby and you're like, that's cute. Sometimes somebody introduces your baby and you're like, that looks like a turnip, but I can't say anything. I just hate all babies. (laughs) I do wonder if the parents of ugly babies know. I know. I know. You know when they're like, oh, it's so cute. And you're like, is it? Is it? Is it? I get what Dumbledore's trying to say, <laughs> but it just comes across really weird. Dumbledore is saying 10 out of 10, 10 would, would fuck, fuck that, that orphan. <laughs> we should be shot for running this podcast. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. Hannah gets fired before she starts her new job. <laughs> no, it's not our fault. It's JK Rowling, Rowling that specified fu- that he was a sexy orphan. I then uh-huh. wanted to point out that his description of young Voldemort isn't that far off how some of the teachers probably would describe young Harry. An orphan. Well, sexy. sexy. A sexy orphan. <laughs> They're like, I can't believe we've got another sexy orphan. And there's a link between the two sexy orphans. The two sexy orphans have the same wand. I can't believe these sexy orphans have so much in common. Unlike Neville, that not sexy almost orphan. orphan. Not quite an orphan, not quite sexy. Yeah. <laughs> Five out of ten. Like, it's like nearly headless Nick, but nearly <laughs> sexy, <laughs> nearly orphan. <laughs> Some people are going to take such offence to this. They're going to be like, you are talking about 11-year-olds. <laughs> we don't think 11-year-olds are sexy. I <laughs> <Quite> real tears. <laughs> I just wanted to point out the parallels that some people might see between, you know, young orphan Voldemort and young orphan Harry. Both polite, both typically good looking for 11 year olds. <laughs> Describe a not good looking 11 year old to me, Hannah. An ugly one. <laughs> That's not a 
description. <laughs> Looks like a turnip. <laughs> I thought you liked turnips. We just had this conversation. No, parsnips. Parsnips pa- and turnips oh, are yeah. different. I will eat a turnip if I have to. It's not great. I don't think I ever have. It's just like a shit version of a parsnip. I've also never eaten ugly orphan. <laughs> eaten ugly orphan? No. Just to clarify, in case anyone thinks I'm an actual witch. And both, okay, but Voldemort is is described as thirsty for knowledge and and clever, (laughs) neither of which are attributes I could give to Harry, because Harry, despite being an orphan raised in the Muggle world, is extremely disinterested and really not smart. Yeah, Harry is the opposite of thirsty for knowledge. He's like, oh, a whole world Harry, of things. Harry is hydrophobic of knowledge. Harry meets Ron and is like, yeah, that's why I want to model myself on someone not interested in fucking anything. Harry is like, I will be a himbo. Because I'm such a sexy orphan. <laughs> Harry is like, I am such a sexy orphan that I don't need book smarts. I can get away with anything. I'm such a sexy orphan. You know, when you're a sexy orphan, it just really opens up a lot of doors. <laughs> I'm going to get us another drink. I was literally about to say, not that we need it, but I think we do need more balsams. <laughs> you know, I think this is highlighting that we haven't done a really drunk episode in a while. <laughs> I'm going to pick a glass so we can put tonic you're in crying. it. You're crying. I'm going to pick a glass so we can put tonic yeah. in it. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Let's rank the top 10 sexiest orphans in literature. But why are there so many jobs? Because, because, because every superhero needs an origin story. But because the series of unfortunate events are sexy orphans. Frozen, sexy orphans. Batman, sexy orphan. We're not the problem here. Edward Cullen, sexy, sexy orphan. orphan. <laughs> uh, Spider-Man, is he an orphan? I'm guessing so. Who? Spider-Man. Yeah, he's an orphan, yep. Really sexy orphan. Yeah, we need a definitive list of all of the sexy orphans. Let's just try this. We're trying it with tonic. Oh, it's really good. Ooh. Yeah, I really like that. Oh, that's lush. All right, we're pausing now to drink more. Right, go on then. Sometimes I feel like everybody (laughs) is a sexy orphan. context since you last heard us two seconds ago talking about sexy orphans we have gone we have recorded an entire very long two-hour episode episode with swish and flick which you should go listen to by the way it's very good but we had to censor us we went from crying laughing about sexy orphans to then having to be PG on their podcast I then was like well at least we'll be over it and you know back to normal then we like literally like left the room we'd been like having a break talking to Neil we left the room got like literally out of the room and Hannah turned to me with like the most shocked face and I was like oh my god like what did Neil do like what did he do what did he do um (laughs) and she was like no the microphones had to be on her I was like okay not something Neil did. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Good. I was like, what did I miss? And and then it was that. Sometimes I feel like everybody is a sexy orphan. <laughs> Good. Great. We're still on the sexy orphans. No, I'm done now. I just can't believe we didn't make that joke two hours mm-hmm. ago. Yep. The orphans are bringing sexy back. <clears throat> you are the orphans don't know how to act. <laughs> 
Yep. <laughs> Dumbledore has kind of decided to give young Tom a chance to turn over a new leaf, which Harry kind of judges him for. He's like, oh, Dumbledore always tries to see the best in people. as one, That's one of his flaws. And I'm like, at this stage, Tom Riddle was 11 and did deserve that new chance in school. Like, a child! A child? <laughs> like, he didn't need Dumbledore going around and being like, oh yeah, that child's well <laughs> creepy. This child is the creepiest little shit. What a creep. He's definitely going to be evil. Yeah. So like, although the Harry's then like, but you did always keep an eye on him and Dumbledore's like, oh well, yeah, because he was sexy. <laughs> yeah, because he was sexy. <laughs> Harry, I, I'm not sure you understand. He was a sexy orphan. A really sexy orphan. Oh my God, we need sexy orphan merch. Yes, we do. <laughs> no, but no one can actually wear that out. <laughs> oh my God, you know what needs to be, you know, um, those like tops with like an arrow and he's like point up and say sexy orphan <laughs> I wonder uh, if no one else will find this joke <laughs> imagine Goblet Wine gets cancelled for talking about sexy orphans sexy orphans um, but yeah also Dumbledore's like yeah Voldemort never tried his like charms on me which was very wise on him after everything I'd seen I was mm. like fair enough but he did charm because well, Dumbledore was already charmed oh, once so again sexy. <laughs> how much can we beat this dead horse <laughs> ah. um, so Voldemort charmed all the teachers but also collected a circle of bullies who had become the forerunners to the mm. Death Eaters and Voldemort describes them as like the weak seeking protection those wanting to do harm seeking someone to like channel their power and the powerful seeking someone to like rally behind mm -hmm. horrible things happened all throughout that seven years including a student dying and nothing could ever be Rip. pinned on this gro group which is just like Surely the teachers are more powerful than these students and could have figured some of this out. Yeah. Like, you really shouldn't be being hoodwinked by a load of teenagers. Yeah. Voldemort, all throughout school, was obsessive about searching for his parentage. After years of searching, he finally had to admit that Tom Riddle Sr. never went to Hogwarts because he couldn't find a single record of him anywhere. So he went off the only name he could from his mother's side, which was Marvolo, which led him to the family tree of Slytherin. Thank God people passed down names in the Wizarding World, otherwise no one would have a chance with any of this. Yeah. We then go into a memory, and we're back at the Gaunt Cottage, with a teenage Tom at the door. And again, the narrator would like to point out that the teenage Tom is very handsome. What is Tom? Very sexy, very handsome. Sexy orphan. It's full on, like, books and books are being like, evil people are ugly. And Harry's like, my God, Voldemort was hot. How dare he become evil? Thing is, he's not even an orphan in this flashback. No, he's not an orphan. <laughs> he was at an orphanage, but he is not an orphan. Yeah. <laughs> he will be soon. <laughs> <laughs> So he speaks parcel tongue to the man in the chair who turns out is Morphin and is living in even more dire squalor than we like so much more dire mm. squalor than we thought because he has never learned to look after himself and has become an alcoholic. 
But he speaks parcel tongue to him. Morphin is obviously like incredibly confused because again, luckily in this book, people often look like the spitting image of someone. Again, it is another weird parallel between Tom and Harry. Tom yeah. is the spit of his father. Harry is the spit of his. You rarely meet people in real life who are the spit of one of their parents though. Yeah, but I also think it's because like Morphin is like a bit like mentally like unwell yeah like there was i don't even think i look that much i'm definitely not identical to my mum when she was younger Mm. like she was infinitely more beautiful like and that's not me dunking on myself that's me like my mum was insane but when my granddad was kind of like on his way out yeah like there was a time when apparently i walked in and he had a bit of like a because he thought it was like mum from back in the day and he got really confused yeah yeah, like, yeah, Morphin is drunk and also not in a correct state of mind and hasn't been for a long time because he mm. spent time in Azkaban and things like that. But also, like, the book says that Tom looks like his father and it's just weird Which... to have these two characters that look so much. Although... There's, like, a blonde American actress whose daughter is, like... A mini her. Literally, who is it? Well, to be fair, my brother was the spit of my dad at every life stage. So, like... When from when he was a toddler until Matt was around fourteen, you could line photos up of when Matt and my dad were the same age, and they would be almost indistinguishable. It's Reese with the spoon. Uh, oh my god, that's terrifying. That's actually re- well, at least if Reese ever acts in anything where they need a younger her, it's ready made, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they were. My brother and my dad were almost indistinguishable. But what's weird is that didn't carry on. So Matt, now he's like fully grown, doesn't look like my dad or what mm. my dad looked like in his twenties. It was just when he was a child. Yeah, everyone always says my sister looks like my dad in a wig. <laughs> That's not true, but I can see the family resemblance. It kind of is true. <laughs> I did actually once know a family who it was like the dad's genes hadn't entered them at all. So like the mum had like quite a distinctive face. And my friend Harriet and her brother Sam had the exact same face. Mm. Like, I will actually have to find you a photo of them on Facebook because they had the same face, the mum had the same face. And then you met the dad and you were like, were you even involved or are these clones (laughs) of the mum? This is a bit... So I know it can happen. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. Morphin is really confused because he's like, you're him, you're him. And then because he's confused and he's angry and Riddle is quite knows how to say the right things. He's ranting and telling Riddle everything he needs to know without Riddle doing anything. He doesn't have to press him for any information. He says he looks like that muggle. Immediately Riddle knows he's talking about his dad. Who married his sister and then ran off and returned to the manor. That Riddle. It's everything Voldemort needs to know in in a sentence. He's told him it's the big house over the way. His name was Riddle. He ran off with my sister. Like, Mm -hmm. Voldemort didn't have to do anything. Yeah. (laughs) Great, thank you. I've got the information. So the memory goes dark and Harry's like, what the hell? And we go back to Dumbledore's office and we get kind of Dumbledore's explanation of what happened and it is incredibly sad. So Morphin wakes up the next morning and his ring is gone. A maid is already running through the street saying the Riddle family are all dead with no sign of how. Dumbledore then goes on to tell the story of what happened to Morphin, but what I find really strange is neither Dumbledore nor Harry mention Frank Bryce, even though Harry met Frank, technically. Mm. I find it really weird that there isn't even Harry going like, oh, Frank was blamed for these murders. Like, Harry just doesn't care about anyone else. I know he doesn't remember that dream fully, but he did meet Frank's 
like the, a real instance of Frank after oh, he, he didn't was dead, meet, but he like, talked to. Yeah, but like. It's just so sad hearing this from a different perspective because we hear how obviously Morphin's life was ruined by this. Mm. And obviously we know Morphin did terrible things. Did he deserve this? No, clearly not because Voldemort did it. But Frank was completely innocent and his life was also ruined through no intention of Voldemort. Voldemort intended to ruin Morphin's life. That was the aim. But he didn't intend to ruin Frank's life in the process, but he did and he just doesn't care. And then in the end it becomes full circle because... Voldemort does end up murdering Frank at the end of his life mm. and Frank still goes on to help Harry in a very small way and save Harry. Yeah. My question is, mm. why does Tom Riddle still live with his parents? Rich people. But if he's rich, he can afford to not live with his parents. Is he meant to be so rich he's like a lord? Because in that case, that makes sense because he's waiting until his father dies to take over the manor. I don't know if it was like that rich. I don't know. Because like... I don't think that it was like, it doesn't seem like it was like a family estate passed down kind of thing. I always assumed it was like a proper old manor house. Not necessarily that they're lords or barons or anything, but it was a manor house that passed down to a family. Just because like, unless they literally didn't have any other family, it then doesn't stay in the family. It just gets sold on. I mean, if it's a really big enough house, it could be the kind of situation where he's living in a wing of it and they kind of live separate lives. Yeah. But yeah, it is a bit like, oh, he's still there because he would (laughs) be grown. (laughs) Because he would be what? Like, we don't know the age he was, but let's say he was 25 when everything kicked off. Voldemort's now only 16, so he's only 40. What do you mean only 40? That's very old to live with your parents. No, no, I'm saying that's what I mean. I was like, not that much time has passed. It's only been 16 years. And also it's not like he's old enough to be having to live with his parents because they're ancient and he needs to look after them. They would Mm. only be mm, 65, 70 if he's 40. Yeah. So yeah, it is a bit weird that he still lives there. I I just always assume really rich people it's just a big manner. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Voldemort murders his parents, uh, his dad and his grandparents. And Morphin the next morning confesses to the murders. The The wizarding authorities go straight to him because he had a previous accusation against Tom Riddle Sr. As soon as they get there, he confesses to the murders. His wand shows he did it. He knew details only the murderer could do. Bish, bash, bosh, no trial, straight to Azkaban. Do we think that Tom, as in Voldemort, went over there with the intention of definitely killing them? Or do we think that he went over there, like took Morphin's wand, knowing that, given his track record, probably a possibility, and like then, you know, the conversation went badly? I think as soon as Morphin said, that muggle who left, who ran away from my sister, he had every intention of killing them. I don't, I think as soon as Morphin said that, he had every intention of killing them. Yeah. What I would love to see at some point in in some sort of interpretation that someone does is that moment when he enters because yeah. we know he looks like Tom Riddle Sr. So that moment where he enters a 16-year-old, mm. Tom Riddle Sr. would immediately know who he is and what's happening. Like, yeah. And also Tom Riddle Sr. must have been kind of waiting for this moment yeah. to happen at some point like living in this fear that this was going to happen at some point which again don't live in the place where <laughs> yeah. it all kicked off you exactly. fucking moron exactly and also i don't believe voldemort just went in there and was like i've had a good hour i've had a good like i kind of want to know what the altercation yeah. was what the conversation was also crucio doesn't leave any marks there are other forms of torture that doesn't mm. leave any marks and i don't believe he just killed them outright yeah 
I felt kind of bad for the grandparents. Yeah, they didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel bad for Tom as well because it wasn't his fucking fault. No, like, exactly. Like, and I feel bad for Morphin. Morphin's a terrible person, but he doesn't deserve this. Yeah. It's also just so... It's it's very clever that Tom is meant to be the exact same age Harry is in this moment. And, mm. like, the, the calculation that went into all of this. Yeah. It, it You can't imagine Harry doing it at all and, and how far Voldemort has gone already. Yeah. And that also, we don't know if this is... It's not his first murder. Technically, his first murder was moaning myrtle by kind of association but is this his first outright avada kedavra murders mm-hmm. we don't know yeah all morphin can talk about as he's taken away is the ring he'll kill me because i've lost the ring he's kind of got a fixation on it <laughs> it's very uh <laughs> my precious <laughs> yeah what's his name what's that dude's Gollum. name Gollum. Gollum. <laughs> dumbledore manages to get this memory from morphin like, how? I don't know. Because he says, oh, I was beginning to look into Voldemort's past by then. But the text kind of says that Dumbledore's only been doing that for the last, like, five to ten years. Which mm. means... But Dumbledore was only... Fuck it! What? <laughs> <laughs> Suck a dick. Oh, I said... It's Malibu. Ha, 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 I would argue that Malibu's not really a shot. Go away. <laughs> Voldemort was only 16 when this took place. Morphin would have also been around 40. We know people don't live very long in Azkaban. How early was Dumbledore tracking stuff? Or how long did Morphin manage to live in prison? I don't think the timeline of this makes sense. Do they actually die, die, or do they all just go, like, loopy? Hagrid says people die, die in there. And I'm sure some people do, but I always kind of assume that, like, the majority of people just kind of get to the point of, like... Nonsense. Yeah, and therefore, he probably was at that point. I mean, yeah. he was close anyway. Um, and, yeah, it was Dumbledore's magic. That... He would still, if Dumbledore was doing this research in the last ten years, have been 80, 85 I mean, but do to we, 90? Do we know that he was that no. old when this happened? No, we don't know. He could he feasibly he could have even been like, don't know, eighteen. Yeah, he could. That still would make him quite old, but not eighteen when this was happening. He could have been eighteen. No, when no, no. But when when Ropey um, got yeah, 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 that's what I meant. Oh right, I see. Um, yeah, and it also depends how long Dumbledore has been looking into this. We don't technically yeah. know how long Dumbledore has been working on this. So Dumbledore got the memory from him and took it to the ministry and said, you need to release this man. He's innocent. But he did die before they could reach a decision. So <sighs> another life just ruined by Voldemort. Yeah, it's almost like he's bad. It is. But it's also just like the casualness of it. Like lives mean nothing to him. Like it just none of it phases him at all. Mm-hmm. Harry then discovers through this conversation because he's like, how did... Voldemort do this because you can't do underage magic and Dumbledore's like lol yes you can if you're in a wizarding house they can only detect that magic has happened not who did it and Harry is so pissed off about this he's like what are you talking about which means like anyone in the borough has been able to do magic this entire time it makes no sense it doesn't make any sense it's a bit convenient that the that the ministry can tell when magic is being done but not who's doing it Mm. 
I was kind of like, well, yeah, that's really convenient. But maybe the limitation is because of personal privacy. Like it would be incredibly intrusive if they could tell who was doing what magic. But the Wizarding World has never shown any fucks for anything no. like that. So I don't think that makes any sense. Mm. Also, like, what is the radius? Like, you know? I don't know. And then, like, because then later on when Harry... Well, later on, no, it's already happened, I think. When, like, people are, like, watching Harry. So they're, like, apparating in and out of Privet Drive. Yeah, exactly. That's magic going on outside Harry's house. Yeah. Because they do him when he's, like, in a random underpass with the Dementors. Mm. Would they not be like, hmm, people keep apparating on that road? Harry, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Well, exactly. Or, like, what if a random wizard was genuinely, like, strolling along the road and had happened to... Is the food here? Is that it nearly is. He's just getting ready. Uh, like, and it happened to do some magic. It's very unfair system, basically. Yeah. And also, it places such an onus on wizarding parents having to enforce the no magic rule. Mm-hmm. When, like, if kids know about this, they would yeah. get in no trouble for doing magic in the house. Yeah. Like, they can just do it without their parents in the room. Yeah. I'm assuming, like, I'm guessing Mr. and Mrs. Weasley had to confiscate their wands when they weren't in school because, like, Mm. that would get a lot with that many children. Yeah. So it's time for another memory. This one has slightly congealed. (laughs) I like to think that it looked like that drink we had to drink with the Baileys and the lemon juice. Mm. I don't want to remember that. And we are memoried, conceived, into Slughorn's office. With 12 boys sitting around him. Now, it's specifically 12 boys. Women aren't smart, intelligent, competent, capable. Okay, but what this does is raises a lot of questions Mm -hmm. to me. Because, like, okay, yes, this is happening in the 1930s or 40s, this scene. I can't remember. Someone's going to correct me. I think the 30s. So, like, yes, if this was a muggle school, it would have 100% just been boys. But we have never been explicitly told that sexism is as big an issue in the wizarding world because it shouldn't be because like magic inherently evens the playing field a lot more. Yeah, and also like if if someone's got magical ability, you need to train them. Like, you know? Well, yeah, I assume Hogwarts takes women as far as we know at this point, but Slughorn doesn't, which means it's Slughorn who's the sexist here, not necessarily... I don't know. I think there is baked in sexism into the wizarding world that's like a carryover from the muggle world and things like that but it kind of shouldn't be there if you have magic no but it does kind of imply which kind of makes sense to me that Slughorn is a bit sexist because he's so like old-fashioned and old boys club and yeah he's literally the definition of old boys club yeah he's like an Etonian like but it's weird that you know the slug club nowadays has women in it when did he change his mind when did he go like do you know what yeah women can be in this you know what (laughs) women can have rights women <laughs> what a feminist it was just lily potter he was lily evans he was like that one's amazing i like women yeah. now yeah <laughs> i like women now <laughs> not sure he does <laughs> no he's flattering riddle and i actually did put almost flirting with him it's um yeah it's it's not flirting it's kind of could be like fatherly and jovial but it's yeah he's, he's doing a lot of flattery yeah to riddle and he's like oh how do you know so many things like you hear things before the teachers do you're so smart and this white fog fills the room so harry can see nothing apart from dumbledore standing behind him and slughorn warns riddle that he'll go wrong and then the white fog clears 
and no one notices it. No one says anything. And Harry's like, what the fuck is happening? So the whole like slughorn thing, I'm going to make a, a reference that like you're not going to get. Great. I'm pretty sure you've not seen the History Boys, have you? No. You really, you would love it. You okay. really, really, really need to. But it's got like a very like slughorny kind of character, interestingly, played by Mr. Dursley. Ah. But like the entire premise is around like a not sure if it's like private or grammar school like all boys pretty sure it was an all, no it wasn't an all boys school but there's the history boys which are these group of boys so there's like russell toby james corden james corden yeah the guy from mamma mia oh wow okay uh, it's a really random mix of people <laughs> yeah there's like and there's like a few others as well and it's all about their school basically prepping them to try and get them into think like oxford or cambridge i can't remember which um and one of their teachers and like the main one that has like this role is mr dursley playing this like teacher character and it's like kind of similar in a bit of like a weird groomy Mm. boys club Mm. and then like part of the plot is that he does then in the end get like inappropriate with the boys in it it's that that sounds horrible it is obviously horrible, but it's an incredible, it's an amazing film and you would love it. I do um, love things like that. Yeah, it's like... It's- that sounds like I love things where people f- fiddle with school children. <laughs> no! <laughs> no, but it's like, that's not like, that's not like the, that's like one of the plots. Right, okay. Uh, but yeah, it's like, it's very, very interesting. It's like, it's a Hannah kind of film. You okay. would really enjoy it. But yeah, like the whole Slughorn thing always makes me think of that. I think it's quite purposeful that slughorn has those vibes i don't know i can it can be read in a lot of different ways yeah because the thing is slughorn is doing it all for his own gain his own benefit he likes to say he helped those people they then help him Mm -hmm. but the way he goes about it is very personable like he crosses a line of what a teacher should be they're buying him gifts he's praising them it's like mm, yeah Mm. Riddle hangs back to ask Slughorn a question after the lesson. Can I ask you a question? (laughs) I literally was about to do that. Yeah. And he says, can I ask you about Horcruxes? Fog immediately fills the room again and Slughorn shouts at him to get out. Says, you shouldn't ask about that. Get out. I, from the description that it gives of what happens, I don't know how Harry comes out of this memory like, that was legit. (laughs) Like, that was weird. I mean, I suppose he's never seen something no but he's seen other memories yeah like <laughs> what's the white fog is it the harry's weather just like yeah sometimes that happens yeah <laughs> or I mean, inobservant harry just didn't didn't notice the fog yeah he's well he did because mm. he's like why can i only see dumbledore yeah. i like to think that this is like you know when a show has clearly had to like redo a line and they've like dubbed it in mm, and, and it's you can just so bad tell, yeah like you know it's not the same volume or like the same like pitch and you know sometimes a mouth doesn't i like to think this is like that like you can actually see his mouth in the memory just saying something completely different it's like blah, 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 just like casually cheerfully talking gesturing and then the thing is like how dare there you ask me that yeah <laughs> yeah that's how i picture it they come back out the memory it's only been literally a couple of minutes and dumbledore's like zircon tampered with this because he's ashamed i find this fascinating and i wish we had more on this i find it so frustrating this isn't delved into the amount of things jk rowling sets up which i'm like this is why fan fiction is so popular in the harry potter genre because you gave crumbs of ideas and went i don't really want to do it and i'm like 
Yeah. This nugget of an idea could have been a book series on its own. Yeah. <sighs> this shows that memories can be altered and Dumbledore specifically calls this a crude alteration which means there are better ways to alter a memory and if there are better ways to alter a memory then my god that is a dangerous weapon mm. I can imagine part of like a plot of one book being like Harry going through memories and they've been well tampered with by someone like Voldemort and he mm. has to learn what the signs are of a memory being tampered with and it's things like like an object not actually being real it being like two dimensional rather than three dimensional mm. well it's like the whole inception thing with the spinner yes this, yeah this is exactly what i was thinking or like the light looking slightly wrong and like yeah i was fully yeah that kind of thing there is so much that could be yeah. done with that shadows that would be a good one shadows yeah, yeah. clock not moving yeah things like that yeah or like like every time there's clock moving but on a different time like a time like middle of the day when it's actually dark outside yeah or like like this where it's been it's been altered at different points the memory's actually... just going and then during the bits where it's been altered everything looks correct apart from the clock stop moving and he goes mm. into it like three times before he realizes that and things yeah. like oh i can just see it being its own series like its own little thing yeah <sighs> i wish there was more on this yeah it frustrates me because mm -hmm. yeah it's that line that Dumbledore says a crude alteration I'm like that means there's good alterations yeah and also because like he kind of implies this was altered purposefully and magically whereas I would interpret a memory alteration as something that you do because you're so ashamed you can't let yourself remember and therefore like yeah this is what you wanted to see mm -hmm. but then Dumbledore also basically said that he used Veritas serum to get this the first time which makes it incredibly impressive that Slughorn did manage to do this level of alteration did he say that he says and this is just how I interpreted I it I thought he said that there's no way that he would be... Again. He says the word again. No, I think it would be foolish to attempt to wrest the truth from Slughorn by force and might do much more harm than good. I don't wish him to leave Hogwarts, la la la. Oh no, it's not there. Um... I would be astonished if he had not carried an antidote to Veritas Serum with him ever since I coerced him into giving this travesty of a recollection. To me, that doesn't say that he veritaserated him. It does to me, like, he's, Dumbledore assumes he's carried one since the last time he was coerced into giving this. Yeah, to me, coerced, it, it's not, it's not tricked or forced, it's coerced. He, mm. like, you know. But why would that make him therefore carry veritaserum? Because then he knows that Dumbledore's obviously going to be like, well, that wasn't real mm. you know it was all fog and you know badly dubbed uh you know there was uh weird korean subtitles <laughs> um <laughs> i don't know i so, kind of read that as dumbledore used veritas serum and this is but slughorn is such a powerful yeah. wizard he, this is what he managed to give under veritas serum no i always read that as he like asked and um slughorn was like yeah sure. one second yeah here you go yeah. and then Dumbledore was like and then Slughorn was like well he's clearly gonna know that's fake and gonna try and trick me into giving mm. the real one so therefore would like carry an antidote with him yeah be interpreted either way I, I, I never used to interpret it the way this was the first reading where I was like huh we hmm? I I don't know if I've always been missing something and maybe I have just repeatedly I don't understand why it's important for them to get the real memory to confirm 
But it's fucking, like, it's fucking, how was that memory going to end with, like, you know, Slughorn going, oh, yes, Horcruxes are this, and Dumbo, and, sorry. Ha! <laughs> Fuck! Does it count? I was going to say Tom, not Voldemort. No, I hate you. You can drink out the same cup as me. Ew. Thank you got cooties. I don't have cooties. Do you have cooties? <laughs> Ew. It's not a real show. No, I'm ewing because it's so sweet. Mm. Mm. Carry on. <laughs> and Tom, after hearing the explanation of what Horcruxes are, going, you know what? Slughorn, I'm not going to make any. <laughs> like, it, I don't... No, 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 no. It's not the confirmation that he did make any. It's the confirmation of the number. Because I suppose for Dumbledore, he's like, God, I'm hunting more than one. He's definitely made more than one. What if he made 13? What if he made 20? He needs to know but, the number before he can finally decide, yeah, it's time to kill the real he, one. he doesn't know that in that memory he's going to say ah yes I'm going to make seven like I know he basically does but he doesn't know that that's there it's like he's look he could only look for that if he knew it was there but he didn't know it was there so it's like a contradiction it is a bit so to me it's always like okay you can tell this has been tampered with so you know Slughorn would only do that if he did tell him about Horcruxes so you know that he told him about Horcruxes like yeah, it was handy. It was useful that they did actually get the number out of it, but they didn't know, you know, yeah, they should try. But the way that Dumbledore was like, we absolutely have to, we can't do anything until we get that memory is like, well, I mean, you can. I think that's a bit of an exaggeration because we know Dumbledore is still hunting Horcruxes whilst Harry is trying to no, get this memory. No, but then he like refuses to continue. He refuses to continue any more lessons with Harry, yeah. yeah. It is a bit like you could still... I think it's it's almost like he wants the dramatic reveal, like the moment where yeah. Horcrux is first used is in this memory and he's like, you can't know anymore until this reveal. But like, it just doesn't actually make sense. What I'm trying to remember is what Dumbledore says when he confirms it's seven in the books. Because in the films, I think they make a mistake by, I think Dumbledore goes, this is worse than I could have imagined. Mm. But I've already destroyed three of them, and I know where the other four are. I really thought there was one more. Yeah. Oh, fuck. fuck. Whereas I think in the books, Dumbledore goes, ah, as I suspected, seven. Yeah. I don't know why I put on a Yoda voice then. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think they like mess that up in the films, because yeah. I'm pretty sure Dumbledore goes, like, this is worse than I could have feared. But here is my exact list of what I think the seven are. <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, because that's the thing. I feel like they could have worked out that it was seven. Like, there's a lot of, you know. It's the most powerful magical number. Yeah, and like, he basically works out what they all are. Yeah. So. Ah, yeah. but even at that stage, he knows that Harry is the unintended eighth. So, yeah, Harry's mission, if he chooses to accept... He doesn't actually have a choice to accept it. He's not given a choice. No, consent is not a thing. No, consent is he must get the real memory. And this basically goes back to the beginning of the book mm-hmm. where Dumbledore's like, hey, make friends with Slughorn. Let him collect you. And then it- Dumbledore... Uh, Harry. <laughs> Harry does not do that. I mean, he- yeah, he hasn't got to any Slughorn <laughs> One, one meeting. Um, but yeah, Dumbledore has set this up from the beginning. 
This is one of the main reasons he wants Slughorn in the school. And also, he says, basically, between saying it to Harry and saying it to Phineas Nigellus, he says, Slughorn has his weaknesses that only Harry can use. And he doesn't expect mm. Nigellus to understand that. I find that interesting. Like, why doesn't Nigellus understand this? That Harry is one of the only ones that could mm. get this out of Slughorn because Slughorn's main weakness is wanting to collect like if harry is the ultimate prize if slowcorn can say he had a hand in helping the chosen one defeat voldemort that's the ultimate like title he could be given but i think maybe nigelis just doesn't know slowcorn well yeah so he doesn't know what he's like so he literally thinks that dumbledore means only you can talk him into it and yeah nigelis is like dumbledore you can do literally anything (laughs) and also nigelis he hates harry with every fiber of his being he's like him there's you've not watched arrested development have you yes i have oh have you not all of it i'm like halfway through the second season or third have you gotten to the joke when it's like huh remember so michael sarah is dating some girl and she's like really really plain and like the dad constantly kind of forgets that they're like dating. oh yeah that's like a long term one yeah, 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 yeah and yeah. then really like Christian just repeating, like every every time they kind of like, oh, like who meet again they're like huh huh <laughs> who oh yeah but, but yeah i like to think like now nigella's like nigella nigella <laughs> Mikroave <laughs> head cannon. <laughs> it's actually Nigella. Oh my god, that is going to ruin book seven for us. Excellent. No, ruin. Ruin. Improve. <laughs> but yeah, every time Nigella Lawson is like him, <laughs> him, he's he's the chosen one. Okay, I yeah. don't like him. Yeah, I, I do find it funny how Harry has like set himself up for failure. Can you think how much easier it would have been for him to get the memory out of Slughorn had they been BFFs at this point? Maybe he should have listened to Dumbledore. I really like that he's like, Dumbledore, I hear what you're saying about this is my mission to befriend this man, but um, I think you should do it. He's annoying. Yeah, he's literally like, don't you think like, you could do it like <laughs> harry you've been given one job you yeah, had but, one job harry like you at the beginning we were like yeah i'll do anything to defeat voldemort and then dumbledore's like i'd like you to do one thing and he's like yeah. no <laughs> it's that song <laughs> is it like i'll do anything for love but not but that, that. <laughs> now we're do. <laughs> he's like i would do anything to defeat voldemort aside no, from a friend like horn yeah <laughs> And yeah, that is his mission, and that is the end of the chapter. As we said before, I do like these chapters in Dumbledore's office because it just adds a bit of a difference to the books. Yes. I just remembered that I had a really random thought that I didn't write down. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Ah. Uh, uh. Ron, Ron, and and Hermione, Hermione, not not in in these these meetings. Well, yeah, exactly. If they're just going to tell them all the information, <laughs> then it doesn't matter. He specifically tells him to tell them. He is setting them up. He knows that they're going to be in, you know, um, book seven uh, camping. He sets them up to get the the book and the yeah. Deluminator. Maybe because <laughs> he knows that Hermione is a hell of a lot smarter than Harry and therefore would cotton on quicker to things. And he needs Harry to like work things out at his own pace because Harry would get more annoyed in the lessons if Hermione was like oh maybe he made seven oh I already know what a hawk because like okay the absolute uninterest of Harry to not go 
Google. I was about to say Google. <laughs> research. Try to research what a Horcrux is. Yeah. In between finding out Hermione does. I know she does because she's like, I couldn't find any books. But Harry doesn't. So like... <laughs> Harry's like, I'll find out eventually. I'll find out eventually. So like, Hermione doesn't let Harry get a word in Edgeways ever. I think that is the main reason. But yeah, it is a bit like they're learning it through secondhand information. Just tell them. Yeah, just put them in it. Like, you, you're setting them up to finish the job. So, you know, maybe include them in the briefing. I suppose it leaves it as a choice to Harry to include them. rather, And then Dumbledore can wash his hands of it a bit and say... It's, I never forced them into it. It wasn't me, it was Harry. It's not really a choice, though. No, like, it's not. He specifically tells Harry to, and then he gives them the book and the deluminator. Like, he is setting them up to finish the job. Yeah, 100%. But yeah, he's kind of making it not his problem. Yeah, yeah. Because he's Dumbledore. Yes. That, and I think it's just convenient that it's like, Harry's the chosen one, so he's in these special briefings. Yeah. Hermione would just be annoying. <laughs> yeah anyway anyway that's the end thank you for listening yep I need a poop uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing I've not shat myself it really is yeah it really and truly is I'm gonna wake up at like 2am and be like oh, oh no <laughs> I really hope my new job don't listen to this podcast <laughs> it's fine this is me not her like talking about shit myself they, you did just they say don't you know the poop. difference between us yet yeah that is true they can't see well, us they've, they've hired you so I hope they do Jesus Christ I, I should just turn up on your first day and be like oh, that's what I remember her looking like alright bye bye thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine to find us on social media search at Goblet of Wine Pod on Twitter or at Goblet of Wine Podcast on Instagram we also have a website over at www.gobletofwine.co.uk where you can keep up with everything that we do this podcast is produced by our wonderful Hufflepuff tier patrons Zach Yolanda Thomas Sir Bandersnatch Samuel Phoenix Patrick Nick Layla Catherine Jasmine and ash if you'd like to support this podcast check out our goblet of wine patreon where you can also gain access to bonus episodes behind the scenes content and our discord thank you so much for listening to this episode and we'll see you in the next one bye, bye.